Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. We hope you'll discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. All right, happy summer, Liquid Church. Hey, let's give a big welcome to everyone live streaming the service right now. Church Online, what's up, guys? All seven campuses, so glad you're with us today. I'm Pastor Tim, and uh, before we dive in, I want to let you know about something special starting next Sunday. I'm going to be preaching live and kicking off our annual August series. It's called At the Movies. Any movie lovers in the house? Movie lovers, make some noise, okay? Any, raise your hand if you've seen Top Gun Maverick, okay? Awesomeness. If you didn't see it, get thyself to a theater, okay? Stop sinning. Uh, at the Movies is, is one of my favorite series. We do this every August. What we do is we look at some of the spiritual themes behind Hollywood's biggest hits. And yes, this year we're kicking it off next Sunday with Top Gun Maverick. Here's a sneak peek for next Sunday. feel the need, the need for, oh, I can't wait to preach this one. Next Sunday, I'm going to take you behind the smile of Tom Cruise and see what are the spiritual themes behind the story of Top Gun Maverick. Here's the deal. Um, I'm a big believer that stories are a window into the soul. In other words, the stories that our culture tells really communicate messages about spirituality. And so what we're going to do in August We're going to be actually looking, I show some different movie clips in church, and then I connect it to God's word, the Bible. And we also enjoy free popcorn in church. Who's ready for free popcorn? So here's the deal. At the Movies is the perfect series to invite a friend to church. If you have a movie lover in your life, what we did is we put an invite card in your program today. We have more at the Welcome Center. Let me encourage you to use this this week. Invite the movie lover in your life to church next Sunday. Kicks off next Sunday, goes for the month of August, a really easy, accessible way to learn about God's word, the Christian faith, and the person of Jesus. Now, today, though, you are in for a special treat. My good friend, Pastor Daniel Fusco, flew in all the way from Vancouver, Washington, to be with us. Now, Daniel is the lead pastor of an amazing church. It's called Crossroads Community Church. And let's be honest, he has the best hair in Christianity, okay? It's just, uh, his newest book is called You're going to make it. Unlocking resilience when life is a mess, right? It comes out in September. I mean, it's a word for our time. Everyone's kind of going through this languishing. And one of the reasons I invited Daniel is because when we met, we were speaking at this conference together, and uh, not only did we admire each other's hair, uh, we realized we're both from New Jersey. Daniel's actually a New Jersey native. He was born and raised in the Garden State. He graduated from Rutgers University. Yeah, come on. 
So he's a Jersey guy, and I couldn't think of a better preacher to close out our series, Stuff Jesus Never Said. So church, I'll be back next week, but today, let's give a big warm liquid welcome to my good friend and brother, Pastor Daniel Fusco. My man. Love you, my man. Come on. Have some fun. <laughs> What's up, Liquid? How's everyone doing? So good. Let's be honest, Pastor Tim has some awesome hair. I was back looking, I wanted to see where his Aquanet little thing was. That, you know, because he, he had some good spray in there, though. But it is so good to be here. As Pastor Tim said, like, I just love Liquid Church. How many of you remember, I was with you during the pandemic. Anybody? In the midst of all, like, the, the Netflix binging you were doing, church online, it happened. It was great. It was great to be a part. And I just love this church because I'm a born and raised guy from Jersey. So I, you know, I'm transplant. It's hard to be a transplant from New Jersey when you're, because I live directly all the way across the country. I live in Vancouver, Washington. People all the time, they say, oh, I love Vancouver, BC. I'm like, yeah, I don't live there. Because I live in actually the lesser Vancouver. Vancouver, Washington is the northern neighbor of Portland, Oregon. So I know all of you are thinking, I watch the news. Are there, there are Christians in Portland, Oregon. There's a lot of us. Great churches in the area, you know, but it's amazing. You, you know, it's tough times when in Portland, they need to get pastors from Jersey to come on out there. But it's so funny. It's great to be here because as I not only, you know, I live in the Pacific Northwest, but as I travel around and I, and I, and I teach at churches, this is the only place in the world I don't have to, you know, give excuses for why the, I am the way that I am because you all already get it. Like, like literally, like where I live, people are like, Pastor Daniel, why do you always speak with your hands? And I'm always like, oh, where I'm from, the arms are attached to the vocal cords. It's just like how it works, you know? And they're like, oh, okay. Or it was so cool when I got off the plane in, in Newark Airport, you know, I, I got on the, um, the subway. Oh, it's really, it's, it's an above ground subway, but they call it like the Air Tran or the Tram or whatever they, I don't know what they call it. But I, I was going to the rental car place and it's the last stop on the rental car, uh, on the line there. So sure enough, I get there and they stopped and there's an older guy sitting there who's working for the airport. He's like, last stop, everyone get out. And I'm like, I'm home. <laughs> you know, I just like it's, like, it's so endearing. You're just like straight up, like get off the train. I'm like, yes, <laughs> these are my people, you know? So I, I don't know, it's just so great to be here with you all. Before I get going, I want to first say my bride Lynn and our kids all send their love, you know, and it's just, we just love what God is doing here in Liquid Church. Love your pastoral staff. And I've been loving this teaching, Stuff Jesus Never Said. Now why, it cracks me up because you all know, so you're all from Jersey. I don't have to explain it to you. One of the love languages when you love someone in Jersey, it's like sarcasm is a love language, right? Everyone knows this, right? So when Pastor Tim called me up, he's like, Fusco, I'm like, what up, Tim? How's it going? We were, and, we were, and he's like, you have to come and preach at Liquid this summer, please. He's like, I have a series that we're doing and you totally have to be here because it's like perfect for you. And I'm like, what's the series called? And he's like, stuff Jesus never said. <laughs> you see how where this is? So in my head, I'm automatically like, is he making fun of me? Like I'm not a biblical teacher. <laughs> Because I, I could just imagine Tim just being like, oh, you know, I, Fusco will teach and then I'll go on out there and then I'll like fix everything that he says. Like, don't, Jesus didn't say any of that stuff. But it reminded me of this time I was invited to preach at a friend's church. My friend Pat lives out in Nashville, but he's a Southern guy. He's from like Alabama. And so Pat calls me up on the phone. He's, he's a real Southern preacher. He's like, Pastor Daniel. I'm like, what's up, Pat? And he's like, 
I need you to come on down and teach at the church. We're doing this series. And, you know, I'm like, what do you want me to preach on? He's like, I just want you to preach a message out of your sugar stick. And I'm like, okay. And I get off the phone. I'm just like, what is a sugar stick? You know, I got all in my head about it. I'm like, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think God gave me a sugar stick. Like, I don't even know what this thing is. So, and I thought, I didn't even, I was too, like, I was too proud to ask what a sugar stick was. So when I get on down there, I just prepared a message and, and I'm like, hey, Pat. He's like, what's up? And I'm like, what in God's name is preaching one out of my sugar stick? And he's like, oh, he started laughing. He's like, you guys got to preach one of your good messages. And I'm like, where I'm from, they don't give you a sugar stick. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's, I, I always think when I get invited to preach and I'm like, there's got to be some ulterior motives. But I'm just stoked to be here. Now, can I just tell you something? I really want to get into the text that I have for you and, and, and the thing that I want to break open for you. But before I start, I want to just remind all of you, don't take all the awesome parts of Jersey for granted. Like, let me give you an example. Here in New Jersey, you have the best carbohydrates in the world. Because like where I live, it's like, you know, there's pizza, there's sprouts on it. I don't even know what that is. You know what I mean? And it's like, and bagels, like you couldn't even call them bagels. They're bread that's shaped like a bagel. It doesn't taste like a bagel. So like you guys have the best carbohydrates in the world. Now my, my bride, Lynn, I love her so much. She's from California and she's super healthy. Like she was gluten-free from the time she was like three, right? So I, like, she, I'm going out to Jersey and she's like, now, now honey, don't go too crazy on what you're gonna eat because I wanna keep you around for a while. I'm like, sweetie, I won't. Don't you realize that in Jersey, carbs are vegetables, I'm like, like, you're in New Jersey, you eat a bagel, it's like eating a salad. You know, you eat, you eat a slice of pepperoni and Sicilian, it's like drinking like freshly extracted juice. So I'm like, I am so, I'm a vegetarian when I'm out here. I'm just like, all, I'm eating all the salad and everything. But really like, you guys have to like, so would, do me a favor. When you get a bagel, get a second one and eat it for me. Okay, please, pretty please. You know, if you get pizza, get two extra slices, have one. Say, this is for my brother Fusco out there in the Pacific Northwest because his kids think that Costco is good pizza. <laughs> it's a food sin. I'm telling you, this is what I'm living in. My kids are like, man, Costco pizza is pretty good. I'm like, <laughs> that's stuff that Jesus never said. Anyway. <laughs> So I've been watching this series and I've been loving the message of Pastor Tim and Pastor Kyra. I just like, I, I, and I love this because growing up here in Jersey, I didn't grow up going to church or reading the Bible. So I never, there's all these things that I thought that Jesus said that he actually never said. Like I was amazed when I read the, through the Bible the whole time and I never, I didn't find God helps those who helps themselves. I like, I totally thought that that was in there, you know? And, and so there's all these different things that as you begin to walk with Jesus, you begin to realize like, yeah, I didn't think that that's what, I thought that's what Jesus said, it's not what he said. Now I realize that each one of you, not only you know, in this campus, but in all the different physical campuses and everybody online, everyone's on a different step of your faith journey, right? So I realize that there are some of you who are here, you've been watch, walking with Jesus for decades. And other ones of you, you know, you're just here because you, know, you, you gotta go to your, you're going to your parents' house after this and the only way to get like the free lunch with your parents is to go through church. And so, so, and listen, if you're a visitor here at Liquid today, do not judge this church on my message. <laughs> the good pastor will be here next week. I'm just the guy that they brought in for, for some comic relief and some fun. But like all of us 
as we move through life, we begin to realize that there are all sorts of things that we believe or we hold to that we've learned that really God has something better for us. And today I, I get to unpack one of the, maybe the, the most common things that people hear, that we say, that we encourage other people to. And it's the simple line that you should follow your heart, right? Or like, so I live in the Pacific Northwest now. And before there, I was in the San Francisco Bay Area where people are really like kind of like foo-foo spiritual. And, and their equivalent is to follow your bliss, right? And, and our culture says, listen, you need to follow your heart. Or the common phrase that people say now is, well, the heart wants what the heart wants. And really, this is kind of like a catch-all idea to really say that, that your emotions are going to lead you into exactly what you want. But this is Jersey, so I don't even need to sugarcoat it. We all know our emotions aren't all bad, but they lead us into some really lousy places. How many of you have like, I followed my heart and I wish I hadn't? Yeah, like half of you and then the other half of you are too ashamed to raise your hands. <laughs> because this idea, of, it sounds so beautiful. It's like, oh yes, we need to follow our hearts. And the, and, and the understanding is, is that your heart and my heart, it's really the repository of all that is really good. And when you and I follow our hearts, we're gonna land in the best possible place and everything's gonna come up wonderful and it's gonna be happily ever after. But the reality is, is does Jesus actually encourage us to do this? That's the big question. And that's what we're exploring. So I wanna read to you Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 to 27. This is what Jesus says. And it's so awesome that Jesus was right there. Like, listen to what he says. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any, whomever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life, they're gonna lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their own souls? And can anyone, what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with the angels. And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Now, don't you love it? It's like, there's a lot of times when I read the scriptures and I'm like, Jesus is, uh, Jesus is from Jersey. Because he, he just, he goes straight at it. He's like, if anyone wants to be my disciple, should you follow your heart? No. Quite simply, Jesus says, don't follow your heart. Think about what he said. If you want to be my disciple, you need to deny yourself and take up your cross. Then he goes on as he goes a little farther. He's like, if you want to save your life, you're going to, you're going to lose it. And if you're willing to give up your life, you're going to find it. And then he says, what will somebody give in exchange for their own soul? Like, is it worth it to gain everything and lose your own soul? So really what Jesus is saying is, Whatever you do, don't follow your heart. Now, I know that sounds almost shocking, but we need to understand why Jesus said it. Now, the Bible says all sorts of things about your heart and my heart. I just wanna pull out a few of them and explore them with you. So you can see, why would Jesus say, don't follow your heart? Well, let me give you this one. This is Jeremiah chapter 17, uh, uh, verses nine and 10, where he says, the heart is deceitful of all things and it's beyond cure. Who can know it? He says, I, the Lord. 
search the heart, and I examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. So the Bible is very clear as it relates to our hearts is that your heart and my heart is not the place where everything is wonderful and perfect and everything good is there. He's actually saying that within your heart and my heart, there's deceitfulness. See, in a lot of ways, what I love about the scriptures, what I love about following Jesus is that the Bible isn't overly optimistic about who we are. And it's not actually like, negatively pessimistic. It's just kind of radically realistic about who we are as people. And really what the Bible teaches is that although in our hearts some great things can be in there, altruistic things, kind things, humans are capable of really beautiful things, it's not always beautiful. And in each one of our hearts, there is all sorts of garbage that goes on there. I like to tell people that if you were to look in my heart, it's kind of a freak show in there. Like if, imagine this, this is horrifying. Imagine if every thought that passed through my mind and heart over the last 24 hours was like kind of like scrolling down the screen right now. I realize all of you would get up and leave church. And the only solace I have in that is if your last 24 hours of thoughts went up there, because there's all sorts of stuff in our heart. There's things, we have wonderful, beautiful, godly thoughts, and then we have absolutely horrendous thoughts. And I like to tell people, the problem with our hearts is not that everything in there is as bad as it could be. The problem with our hearts is that everything in it is not as good as it should be. And in a lot of ways, what you have to realize, it's actually not our fault either. The Bible teaches that the reason our hearts are deceitful above all things and beyond cure is because we've inherited the sin nature. That's what the Bible calls it. And it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. And what that means is that by default, apart from the grace of God, all of us have a mixed bag of things going on in our heart. And that's why Jesus says, don't follow your heart. Because the assumption that your heart will always lead you to the best possible outcome is folly. And many of us have experienced that. There are other things going on in our heart other than just purely beautiful things. Now, what else does the Bible teach us about our hearts? Listen to Proverbs chapter four, verse 23. One of my favorite verses. It says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. See, it doesn't say follow your heart. It says guard your heart or keep your heart. Now what that means is the heart is the control center of our lives through which all decisions are made. We have thoughts, we have the needs of our body, the still small voice of the Holy Spirit is there if, if you're a born again believer and the Spirit of God dwells within you and you make decisions. And it doesn't say just blindly follow your heart. It actually says you should guard your heart or keep your heart. Because biblically speaking, there's all sorts of things growing in our heart. And so we have to learn how to guard our hearts, keep it. Now, this I think is becoming even increasingly important for all of us because I don't know about you, I've been living through the last number of years. And as I seek to honor that scripture by saying, Lord, I wanna be aware of what is in my heart, what I'm seeing in my own life and life a lot of people that I know is that all of the stress and pressure and the upheaval that we've all gone through, there's all sorts of things growing in our hearts. There's frustration and there's anger. People are 
easily. People are flying off the handles all over the place. And what I realize is that culturally, as life is challenging, if we don't keep our hearts, then all these things seem to be justified. But if you're guarding your heart, it's about saying, Lord, what is in my heart? And Lord, what is it that you want to do? Because God does not want you to be angry. He does not want you to be frustrated. He does not want you to be lashing out or lashing out on the inside and kind of white knuckling it on the outside. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I mean, I remember when I first came to know Jesus, having grown up 20 years, you know how it is. It's like in Jersey, you just talk and you don't even realize what you're saying until after it's over, right? I remember I got saved, I'm like, I need like a 15 second filter from when I think it to when it comes out of my mouth so I don't say horrible things to people. Because like, I was just raised like, man, you, just, you do you, you speak your mind. And I was just raised, everyone's like, man. You know, I was like, people are like, man, listen, I don't think I like you. So if I just turn around and walk away, don't worry about it. It's because I don't like you. I don't want to listen to you right now. So, you know, especially when you leave this area, when people aren't as truthful and you say that stuff, people were like, I, I'd level people with my words. I couldn't believe it. So I'm like, Lord, will you give me like a, a time delay between when I think and when it comes out of my mouth? And what was good is God is gracious and he gave me that, but it was still, some of that stuff wasn't coming out of my mouth, but it was still in my heart. I wasn't saying it because I was filtering it, but as a Christian, it's not just about what comes out of your mouth. It's about what's in your heart. And God's like, no, no, I want to do a work here. See, one of the things that I want to encourage those of you who are here, you're like, man, I love Jesus. I'm following Jesus. Our world is getting more challenging it's getting darker, it feels like. And if we're not careful, we don't keep our hearts, we're gonna start getting more shady than we wanna be. Jesus wants to shine the light of who he is through our lives. And it's important for us not to allow the culture and all of the divisiveness to now take residence in our hearts because God's grace brings together. But we have to guard our hearts. Don't follow it, we need to guard. Now I'm gonna give you one more scripture of what the Bible says about our hearts and why we shouldn't, just blindly follow our heart. And that's Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to what? Death. Ouch. Right? It's like the, the Bible's got teeth on it when it says that. There's a way that seems right to us, but oftentimes that's the way of death. Now, I always think about this because, so I'm, I'm, I'm an all-Italian kid. So we ended up in New Jersey because I have an older sister and my parents were living in, in uh, Brooklyn. And then I have a twin sister. So then they found out they were gonna have two kids at the same time. They couldn't afford a place in Brooklyn. Then at that time, everyone was moving out to Long Island. And so they decided to move out to the boondocks of New Jersey. So I have Middlesex of Monmouth County, which was the boondocks back in the seventies, you know? And, and so we landed there, right? And, and so all the time, but I have a little Italian grandma. Her name is Anita. She is 95 years old. Give my grandma a round of applause. My grandma, she's the coolest person. So her and my grandfather, Anthony, they were married for 75 years. So my, they, they celebrate their 75th wedding anniversary. Uh, and then two days later, my grandfather went home to be with the Lord at 96. I always say, grandma, how did you make it being married for 75 years? She's like, oh, it was easy. I didn't own a gun. <laughs> 
good counsel from my grandma. She's like, I would have killed him many times, you know? Again, that sar- the sarcasm as a love language is so funny. So, but, but what was beautiful is so my grandma, and she, my grandma's just all love. She's like, when, when we were kids, she was like five foot one. Now she's like 4'10". You know what I mean? Because she's, 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 she's getting smaller, but her heart is just so big. She loves everybody. And so when all of her grandkids, like me and my sister, started having kids, we would all like take the kids down to see grandma. You know, and she was so funny because she's like, whatever you do, don't call me Nani. That's an old lady name. Now, if you're a Nani, we super respect it. So I'm like, well, what do you want us to call you? Because, you know, now there's other grandmas. So she was grandma to us. She's like, no, you call me Gigi because it's spicy. That's my grandma. So we take all the kids to go see Gigi, right? And, and, and so then things would be going on with the kids. And then Gigi would give us her like sagacious, sage-like Gigi advice. Like one of my nephews was teething and he was all fussy. And my, my, my grandma was like, oh man, I, we can fix that real easy. Go get some bourbon from the cabinet. Just wipe it on there. Not only will it numb it out, it'll go to sleep. <laughs> and my sisters were like, Gigi, you, you can't give a kid bourbon. And then like an hour later, because he was teething, he was fussy, he wouldn't go down for a nap. And Gigi's like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, just wrap him up and stick him on his stomach. He'll go right to sleep. Which now, if you know, like the last thing they tell you ever to do, and don't let your kids sleep on the stomach. But my sister was like, grandma, that's hard. Like the baby will die. She's like, I don't know how you guys all survived. (laughs) But it's funny because when you think about it, it's like that was how they did things back in the day. I mean, I was raised at a time when nobody realized that smoking cigarettes wasn't a good thing for you, right? So I grew up in the house and all the time. So everyone had rings and the high hair and the long skinny cigarettes. You know what I mean? I grew up like that. And then all of a sudden later, like, oh yeah, that's not good. Like, like there's a lot of second half. Smoke is bad. All the smoking is bad. But at the time, everyone was like, no, this is just what we do because there's a way that seems right but we're missing some information. And at a time later, we look back on it, we're like, man. And this is why we shouldn't follow our hearts. Because if you look back on the mistakes that you made when you followed your heart and it didn't work out, there was a couple things you didn't know. There's a couple things that you're like, I wish I would have realized that before I followed my heart down that way. So Jesus says, whatever you do, don't follow your heart. Well, you're just like, well, listen, if I'm not going to follow my heart, well, what am I supposed to do? Well, Jesus answered it for us. Jesus, in effect, in effect, in the verses that we read in Matthew chapter 16, says, don't follow your heart. Who should you follow? You should follow Jesus. So don't follow your follow. If anyone wants to be my disciple, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and what? Follow me. And this is the great dividing marker. Everybody follows someone or something. And Jesus is saying, don't follow your heart. You're supposed to follow me. And I remember when I was in college at Rutgers, I was, I was a crazy person. I mean, I, I didn't know any better. And I remember when I started, I was open to truth, but I didn't know where to find it. And because I was kind of raised with like almost like a cultural uh, Catholicism, I, I just never really thought about Jesus. I was reading Buddhism and philosophy and you know what I mean? I was like, man, I was going vision quests and you know, anybody who had free food, I was there. I didn't know about the church potluck at that time. There was free food, I was there, right? So I was eating like, you know, vegetarian food with Hare Krishnas. I was like, I didn't, I just wanted to find truth. And I remember when I started reading the Bible at an encouragement of some friends and a professor, as crazy as that sounds, you know, I started reading it and I'm like, oh, this is serious. Cause Jesus is saying, listen, 
You're supposed to follow me. And for all of us, that fork in the road is the big decision. Because you're either gonna follow either the way our culture rolls, the whims of our culture, the whims of your own heart. For many of us, the influence of friends and family is huge. Or we're gonna say, I'm gonna love those folks, but I'm actually gonna follow the one person who always did those things that pleased his heavenly father. The one person who was the acceptable sacrifice on the cross for the sins of the world. And the one dude who walked out of the grave because death had to give him back. So we wanna follow Jesus. Now, but what happens when we follow Jesus? Let me give you a couple of scriptures to be able to tie this in for us. This is uh, Psalm chapter 37, verse four, where it says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, do you notice that phrase, desires of your heart? We have a tendency to think, listen, I'm gonna follow my heart. I want the desires of my heart. It says, no, no, it doesn't just say follow your heart. It says, Delight yourself in the Lord. Take delight in God and then God will give you the desires of your heart. Why? Because when you delight yourself in God, when you make Jesus the treasure of your soul, when you say, I'm not gonna follow the culture, I'm not gonna follow myself, I'm not gonna follow even my parents' way, I'm gonna follow Jesus, God changes our hearts. As we delight in God, God transforms our heart to value what his heart values. And then as we take delight in the Lord, he changes our hearts and then he can bless us with the very things that our hearts really want. The best things about what we could want. It's not the things that our heart generates on its own. It's the things that God's spirit and God's kingdom and the purposes of God, he places it in our hearts. And really this is where everything changes for us. Because if we're gonna say, I want not my will, but God's will to be done. And I don't want to delight in what I delight in. I want to delight in what God delights in. And when we delight ourselves in the Lord, he changes our hearts and then he can give us the desires of our hearts. Let me give you an example. When I came to know Jesus, I was almost done with college. I was in my 20s. I already made it a 10 trillion mistakes. I mean, extraordinary mistakes. The fact that I'm like still alive is a gift. Right, And literally I tell people that when I was growing up, if there was like a superlative in high school for the most likely never to be a Christian, let alone a Christian pastor, I would have definitely been in the running for that. That's where I was at, right? And everything about my life was oriented around things that dishonored God. And I remember that when I started walking with Jesus, it was like this process of unlearning everything. Like everything that I, every way that I worked, every way I talked to people, everything was messed up. But as I praised God, as I, and I said, Lord, will you help me grow? Things would just change the way I treated people, the way I valued people, the, the way things that I thought were entertaining, everything just piece by piece was just kind of coming in line. And what's amazing is, is when you start reading what Jesus says about life, what you realize is what Jesus is interested in for each one of us is that we experience the abundant life. And I'm like, I am living life the way I was taught to, and this is not abundant. It feels unfulfilling. I don't feel whole. Leaving a, a trail of carnage behind my life, this isn't good. And then I started reading, Jesus says some wild things like, I couldn't believe when I, read, when I read the Bible, it didn't say in the scriptures, the one who dies with the most toys wins. 
I like I like I you know I used to see that on bumper stickers and I'm like oh yeah that sounds good you know but then Jesus says things oh no you're you're more blessed to give than to receive and I remember reading that being like dude Jesus is crazy this is nuts because like nobody ever said listen you're going to be more fulfilled when you are generous than when people give to you you're going to like giving rather than getting and I was like that doesn't make any sense until I started to experience it. And of course, the Apostle Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter five, verses one and two. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says here. He says, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and he gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. See, really what he's saying is, as we follow Jesus, we're following God's example as children. Now, you parents, isn't it the most horrifying thing when you see yourself coming out of your children? <laughs> isn't it? It's like, it's like you see yourself, you're like, oh my goodness. Now, here's a question. I want, I'm going to ask everyone a question. Everyone shake out your hands. Oh God, everyone shake your hands. Go ahead. I don't want anyone to pull a muscle here in church. Come on. Go shake it out. Everybody online too, shake those hands out. Now, I'm going to ask the question and you have to be honest because it's church. And if you're not honest, God will judge you. No, I'm just kidding. He will judge you. <laughs> but you want to be honest. Okay. How many of you, when you were growing up, said, no matter what, I don't want to be like my parents? Go ahead, raise your hand. Oh, almost everybody. Oh, a couple of you were like, me too, that's my mom. <laughs> Every kid says that, right? But it is funny that when you get older, your parents come out of your face. It's just an amazing thing. Like, I used to say the same stuff. I got kids. Sometimes I'll say something, my wife will be like, that is your dad. You know, and I'm like, that is my dad. How did he get in there? Why? Because children inherently take on the characteristics of their parents for good or for bad. You know, and listen, most of us had parents who tried hard. They did the best they could. But when you get born again, now you have a new father, a perfect father. And as we're following Jesus, and it doesn't discredit what our, our physical parents did, they did the best they could. But what it does now is all of a sudden, as you're following Jesus, you're following the God with skin on, Jesus, God in the flesh. And you're watching how Jesus interacts. And then you're saying, I want to follow that example. And when you do that, then you start to walk in what, the, what Paul called the way of love. And that way of love is a way of living self-sacrificially. And before you know it, you're involved in things you never would have thought you'd be involved in. And you're feeling amazing that you're helping people. It's one of the things that this church is, is built upon whether it's getting clean water, whether it's helping folks with special needs, all these different areas that this church is engaged in. Because when you step into that, all of a sudden you're like, that is, I just feel so happy right now. And it sounds so strange until you're not following your heart and you're following Jesus. And you're like, oh, God has a better way to live than I learned, that I came up with on my own. And so if we're not supposed to follow our heart, we're supposed to follow Jesus, then the question becomes, well, okay, so then what do we do with our hearts? Well, it's simple. You don't follow your heart, you follow Jesus, and then you lead your heart. That's what God wants us to do. Really, we don't follow our hearts, we follow Jesus, and we let Jesus lead our hearts but we do play a role in that because Jesus is inviting us and saying, hey, listen, this is the way I want you to walk in it. And then we say, yes, Lord. 
So really, don't follow your heart. You want to follow Jesus and let Jesus lead your heart. And in a lot of ways, everything that you want in your life spiritually comes down to, are you following Jesus and letting Jesus lead your heart? Because here's what I want to tell you. When we follow our hearts left up to our own devices, oftentimes we're only concerned with what we want and we're not really as concerned with God's glory or the blessing of the people around us or even the greater society, right? But when you follow Jesus and then you let Jesus lead your heart, what begins to happen is, is you're not primarily focused on you getting what you want. You're like, God, what brings you the most praise and glory? And then what is a blessing to the people around me, both in my immediate sphere and then also around the world? And then our whole life now begins to be oriented around this life of the way of love, the, the life of agape, that self-sacrificial way of living. And that's why you get some beautiful things about when you lead your heart, what happens. Listen to Proverbs chapter three, verses five to seven. If you haven't had this one memorized, you should. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. You see, it's saying, take all your heart and trust in God and don't lean on your own understanding, which is you following your heart. Trust God's way, not your way. And in everything you submit to God and then God will take your journey of life and make it straight. God will take what is a crooked life and make it now right down the middle, right where he wants us to be. And that's what God is inviting all of us into. Whether you, you're just beginning your journey with Jesus or whether you've been following him for a while. Because we, li we live in a day and age, every generation thinks that its way is the only way, right? Remember how we joked about you, how you didn't want to be like your parents? I remember growing up, I'm like, man, my parents are out to lunch. They just don't get stuff. But what's funny is now I got kids, you know what they think about my generation? They think we're out to lunch. Now, those of you who are younger, who you're like, man, this generation, they messed it all up. When you get older, if Jesus doesn't come back before then, your kids are gonna think you guys are nutso. Because <laughs> that's what happens. Every generation looks at the certain things were good and other things you're like, yeah, that's just not so good. It's always that way. And so left to our own devices, we're gonna think our way is the right way. Our way is the right thing to do. But say, no, no, we trust God right? We don't trust our own ideas about these things. And then we let God lead us into it. And I'm going to give you one more scripture to really tie this all together. And I love this verse. It's so powerful. This is Romans chapter 12, verses one and two, where the apostle Paul says, therefore I urge you, my brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will of God. See, I love this because he's saying that God wants to do a work of transformation in each one of us. But here's the deal. God can't transform you when you're following your own way. I like to tell people this, that we love the outcome but God loves the process. Isn't it true? Like, we love the destination. We just like, some of you right now, you're like, man, I, when I'm retired, it's gonna be great. And don't get me wrong, it probably will be. But really what God is interested in is in the character that he builds in you through the journey to get to a destination. Like, I was just talking to Pastor Tim, like, you know, him and Miss Colleen, they're, they're gonna be empty nesters. And I'm like, man, 
that's going to be awesome. Because I got a 17-year-old, a 14-year-old, and an 8-year-old. But what I realize is that while my kids are in my house, it's a beautiful thing. Amen. It's a beautiful thing that I have kids in my house. But it's hard. And sometimes I'm like, can't you speed up and grow up already? Can't you pay for your own Chick-fil-A or whatever they want? (laughs) But the gift is in the journey. And in the journey, what God wants to do is he wants to transform us by the renewing of our mind. And that happens as we follow Jesus. And as we begin to trust him to lead our hearts. Now, here's what I want to tell you about this. And it's my hope that today, each one of us will make the decision. I'm going to stop following my heart. I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm going to lead my heart. What I'm very much aware of is that leading my own heart involves me taking steps of faith. That involves doing things that I wouldn't do left up to my own devices. But because God is inviting me into it, I'm gonna trust, because I'm not following my own heart, I'm following Jesus, and I'm leading my heart. I'm gonna trust that if I take that step of faith, God is gonna meet me on that step of faith and he's gonna do something extraordinary. Now I realize steps of faith are hard. I always tell people the problem with walking by faith is that you gotta walk by faith. It's easier to walk by sight. It's easier to do what comes naturally to us. But God is saying, I want you to take a step of faith. And if you trust me, I will meet you on the step of faith and I will do a work. Now, don't think for one second that what I'm telling you is that if you take a step of faith, everything's gonna be easier. Because you have 66 books in your Bible that tell you that when you take a step of faith, oftentimes it gets harder before it gets easier. Like remember when God told Moses, he's like, listen, Moses, I want, I want you to go. I want, I want my people out of Egypt. Moses was like, hey, I don't think you got the right guy. There's a whole thing about Moses struggling with what God was calling him to. But sure enough, when Moses went to Pharaoh, did he, was Pharaoh like, awesome, you guys get out of here, man. Have a good life. Sayonara, peace. No, what happened? It got way worse. But ultimately it got way better because God brought them into the promised land. And really for each one of us, as we seek to let Jesus lead our hearts What God is going to do, it's going to be a scary thing to take the step of faith until God does the work he wants to do on the step. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is what I was made for. So here's the deal. If you have been walking with Jesus for any length of time, I don't want you to assume that because you believe in Jesus that you're actually following him and you're letting him lead your heart. Because I've been around Christianity long enough and I've been following Jesus long enough to realize I love Jesus. And there are times I'm just doing my own thing, but I love Jesus. So if that's you in that place, I just want you to come back to the Lord today and say, Lord, I don't want to go my own way. I mean, we've all done it. Let's just be honest. I mean, we can be real about it. We've all done it. Say, Lord, I don't want to go my own way. I don't want to follow my heart. Lord, I want to follow you. Will you help me lead my heart? Lord, you know my struggles. I don't even need to explain them all to you, but I will. This is all the things I'm struggling with, God. Will you lead me beyond this into the abundant life? Lord, lead me out of the lies, out of the deception. Lord, will you lead me away from the shame? Lord, will you help me put down the bottle? Will you help me put down this? Lord, will you help me stop with that relationship? That relationship is horrible. Shouldn't even be here. You already told me this is no good. Lord, why am I here? Lord, will you lead me? And God will do that work. I mean, our whole Bible is full of people who believe in God who do crazy stuff. You have David, I mean, all all the great people in the Bible, like there's some horrible thing that they did in the midst of still believing in God. 
Because you can believe in God and still follow your own heart away from his will. So if you're a believer, I wanna encourage you, take that step, say, Lord, lead my heart. I wanna follow you. And if you're here today and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, until you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you will live a life and it could have wonderful moments and horrible moments, but I'm here to tell you, your life will never have the purpose and the meaning that it was intended to until you put your faith and trust in Jesus. Each one of us, we were created by God to be in Christ, to have our sins forgiven so that the spirit of God can take up residence in our lives to lead us into the abundant life and God's eternal life. But it can only happen if someone puts their faith and trust in Jesus. So if you're at any of the campuses, if you're online, you've not yet put your faith and trust in Jesus, today's the day to do that. Because the purposes and plans that God has for each one of us comes in Christ. Not following our own hearts, but following Jesus and saying, Jesus, will you lead my heart forward? And what I will tell you is if you follow Jesus and let Jesus lead your heart, you'll get down the road and you'll be like, I had no clue. Like, you remember the story of, of the Queen of Sheba? She came to see Solomon. He's like, I didn't even know the half of it. If you would have told me 23 years ago when I came to know Jesus that in 20 years, I'd be standing at a church in New Jersey telling people about Jesus, I would have been like, what? You crazy, that's nuts. But yet, in all the up, in and out journey of life, I landed here and I'm like, wow. I, there's no place in the world I'd rather be. Because literally my trajectory before Jesus was dead. Jail. I mean, it was like all of it was, it was heading in that direction. But God has something else. And my friends, listen, I'm here to tell you, everything about you, God has a purpose in. Even your journey, he has a purpose in. The mistakes you've made, the things that have gone on, the losses, the, the, the pain, all of it. God has a purpose in it. But that purpose will only be understood as we follow Jesus and let Jesus lead our hearts so that he, you can see, oh, this is why I experienced that. The number of times I have conversation with somebody, they share something and I'm like, hey, just so you know, that was in my past. And I'm here to tell you that your past doesn't have to be your destiny. I haven't used drugs in 23 years. You can get out of this. God will help you. And I'm like, I didn't understand why I went through all this. Oh, no, no, now I understand why. Because God takes these things and he creates a testimony and then he uses that testimony to help other people. When things fall apart, God's like, hey, I'm gonna use that. I'm gonna leverage that. I'm gonna redeem that so that you can give what I have given to you. And I believe that for each one of you, listen, you think that there are things in your life that happened that were just happenstance. I'm here to tell you, listen, God wants to use that stuff to bring glory to his name and blessings to people. But we have to lead our hearts. We have to say, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you and I'm not gonna follow my own way. I'm not gonna do it my own way. I'm not gonna do it my parents' way. I love them, I respect them. I'm not gonna do it their way. I'm not gonna do it society's way. Following Jesus is what I was made for and I wanna walk with him and let him lead me, amen? Let's bow our heads and our hearts as we pray together.
Father, I wanna thank you for Liquid Church. And I ask for each one of us, no matter where we are on that journey of faith, I ask that you would help us not to follow our own hearts. We don't wanna do our self-styled life the way we think it's supposed to go. For Lord, we wanna follow you, Jesus. And Jesus, we want you to lead our hearts. Lord, lead us into the purposes and plans that you have for us. God, we wanna thank you for your Holy Spirit. You don't just say, oh, go, good luck on the journey. You say, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna empower you. I'm gonna anoint you to do this. I'm gonna energize my life in your soul. And God, I ask for each person here today, whether they're online, whether they're in one of the campuses, that Lord, you would help us to not just follow whichever way seems right in the moment. But Jesus, we just wanna follow closely after you. Do your work. And Lord, teach us how to lead our hearts. Teach us how to take steps of faith. Teach us how to trust you even when we take a step of faith and, it's un and it feels uneasy or it doesn't work out exactly how we think it should. God, we want to experience you moving on this side of eternity. And so we are pushing our chips all the way in and saying, Jesus, do your will and work in and through our lives. And we ask it all in Jesus' name and all the liquid family said together, amen and amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group, outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening.